Sunday with cries of Hosanna, knowing that if we did not cry out, the rocks would cry out in our place. We look forward to our worship this morning as we enter into Holy Week. Over the next hour, we will be looking at Jesus as our sovereign Lord. Over the next week, we will be celebrating the depth of love that God had for all of creation and still has for all of creation, and the extent God was willing to go to to offer us new life and transformation. I want to encourage you to attend our Maundy Thursday service at United Methodist Church, Thousand Oaks, and our Good Friday service here in our sanctuary to immerse yourself in the Holy Week experience. Both of these services will be streamed online as well at 7 p.m. Watch your emails for the links for each service or come and join us in person. I know that for me, Easter is so much more significant when I take the time to experience both Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, and I hope that you will join us in that endeavor as we walk with Jesus through his final week. Then next Sunday is Easter. We will have one service at 10 a.m., 
and our community will have a sunrise service at Valley Oaks at 6 a.m. I will be there to represent our church and to watch the sheep on the hillside. <laughs> Let us take a moment to center our hearts for worship as we prepare to receive Jesus this day. For joy, the master comes. Riding on a colt, he enters in victory. If all shouting stopped, the rocks would ring with joy. But there will be some who will not sing or shout. There will be some who will cling to their fear. Be ready, O Jerusalem, for your king truly is coming. Hosanna in the highest. welcome you, Lord Jesus. The journey has been long, and we have longed to enter the holy city. You come into our hearts and our lives humbly, patiently, encouraging us to learn and grow, to embark on journeys of hope and healing. Open our hearts today to hear your words as we sing your praise. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. 
Good morning again. <laughs> it is so wonderful to see everyone here in worship and to have those of you who are worshiping online join us as well. I missed being with everyone here last week as I was at Thousand Oaks United Methodist Church working to kick off our Conejo Connect partnership there. Uh, and I look forward to being with you guys and leading us in worship the next two weeks. It's going to be a great opportunity. But I'm supposed to be talking to the kids right now, so I'll stop giving announcements. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Oh, just so you know, you do not have a phone to play with after worship because you've already killed the battery. Okay? All right. Perfect. Just wanted to make sure you knew. Um, <laughs> it's been a morning already, guys. <laughs> so thank you guys for processing in. I was going to invite anyone else who wanted to process with the kids to say that you were welcome to do so. We have some kids who are home because their parents have COVID. We have some kids who have commitments elsewhere this morning. So we are so proud of our six kids who represented the rest of the children so well. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. So usually you process with different palm branches, huh? Yep. They look more like the ones in front of me. Yeah. I, I like how he pointed to the same place I did. For those of you online, Envision was on the altar. Uh, it's right in front of me as well. Uh, so these branches are cool, and I've never actually had these before, but I've been told, and I just saw someone do it, with these palm branches, you can transform them into crosses. And I haven't asked her permission to do this, but I'm going to say, if you want to know how to do that, go bug Brenda Rogers after worship. <laughs> um, because it's a good way to remember that while we celebrate Palm Sunday today, and this is my message for you guys, for the children, while we celebrate Palm Sunday today and we have this great big parade and we talk about how Jesus entered into Jerusalem with people crying out with joy for his arrival, that by the time the week is over, Jesus will end up on the cross. It, it, it's hard to think how the world changes so much in that one week. And this palm branch right here will be a good way for you to remember that message, that we have an amazing week ahead of us and that we have the gift come next week of new life. So I invite you guys, as you play with your palm fronds, if you're trying to figure out how to do it now, you're, if you have two, you're making crosses. That's a very good idea, guys. I love it. Anyone who's not seeing it, you can turn around and see how the kids are using their two fronds to make a cross themselves. Oh, you made a plane. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Because you want to be like one of those people who flies over Holy Week and gets immediately to Easter, right? <laughs> All right, so I want us to be mindful of the fact that as we celebrate this parade this week and we celebrate Easter next week, there's a lot that happens in the meantime. So my hope is for the families of the church that I'm going to send you an email probably daily with an activity that you can do with your kids that help them understand how the week progresses and why it's important to us. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer as we talk to God? Dear God, Thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. And thank you for all of our yesterdays. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for going to Jerusalem, entering that holy city, knowing what was to come. Be with us this week that we see 
how big you love us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, kiddos, you can head off to Sunday school. join me in prayer. What a joy it is to celebrate Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem. The disciples gathered the colt for him to ride. People shouted Hosanna, waved palm branches, and placed their cloaks on the path of the colt. Even when some were cautious, Jesus reminded them, reminded them that the stones would sing out, for triumph was truly coming to the holy city triumph in a way they couldn't imagine. So we this day wave our palms, sing and shout Hosanna. We want Jesus to ride into all of the places of tension and anger of our lives. We want Jesus to heal the hurts and establish his reign of peace forever. The parade is a good thing. It is not to be discounted as inconsequential to the events ahead. We need to shout with joy and to let the shouts ring in our hearts. Bring us hope, gracious Lord, where we have allowed fear and confusion to reside. Bring us healing where we have been wounded or have, been, or have wounded others by our thoughts, words, or deeds. Bring peace where we have been bombarded by anger and alienation. Bring us with you into the holy city not made with human hands, but in your heavenly realm. As we consider what it means to have you as our sovereign Lord, we humbly ask you to hear our requests and watch over the following people and situations. We lift up prayers for the families of Esther McLean and Lynn Albertson. Esther's family celebrated her life with a service this past week, and the Albertsons are planning a small private family service in June. Be with the families in their grieving and their celebration of life's well-lived and let them see your hand at work. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Ukraine and all of the places experiencing civil unrest. Be with those that are fighting for what is right and those who are seeking your will and guidance through all that is happening. Let the hearts that are hardened be softened, and let us find ways to live into the peace that your Son desires for all of us and you desire for all of us. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for all of those that are still struggling with COVID. Lord, we ask you to be with those members of our congregation who are fighting the, the virus right now and 
all of the people everywhere whose lives are continued to be turned upside down by this virus. We ask you to offer healing and ask you to continue to work your, your love into each situation that needs your grace at this moment. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We left up prayers for the community of Sacramento who experienced a shooting last Sunday, which injured several and uh, took the lives of six individuals. We ask you to be with the families of those who lost loved ones, that they might feel your presence, they might know your love, and they might be able to walk this road of grief well, be with everyone who was injured, that they might experience the healing that they need. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for the not-offs as they are with us in worship this morning and we celebrate seeing them here, but know that there is surgery in the future for Sandy in the next couple of weeks. Be with her in the waiting, in the process, and be with both of them that they feel your love and presence this day. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers uh, with Tracy Van Fleet for her mother Charlotte, uh, who fell last Sunday and broke her hip. We thank you that her surgery went well, but be with her as she continues to heal, has rehab, and looks forward to going home. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we take a moment of silence to lift up the prayers that are on our hearts this day. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray all of this saying the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but forgive us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you, choir. That was beautiful. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Awesome and almighty God, we add our hosannas to the chorus, reaching out, seeking you, proclaiming, save, we pray. Help us to see the ways in which we can embrace the gift of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. How we might see Jesus as our sovereign Lord, the one that we are to follow, the one that we are to serve, the one that allows us to be connected to you, body, mind, and spirit. Be with us this day that we might hear your words and see how we connect to your stories and how we continue to grow closer to you in this day, in this week, and in our lifetime. In your name we pray, amen. Throughout Lent, we've explored different characteristics about Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus is like, and how we may have encountered Jesus in our own lives. So far, we've looked at Jesus as one of us, someone who lived in the world around us. And sorry, I just got distracted, and I wanted to offer a celebration that the Surats are here. <laughs> sorry, I just saw two beautiful babies bouncing in the back, and I wanted to let you know. So I will get back in character now. Jesus is one of us, living among us, walking among us, inviting us to be in relationship with him. We encountered Jesus as preacher and teacher, as one who has taught us and guided us. Jesus as healer and miracle worker. Jesus as prophet and world changer. Jesus as love personified and grace bearer. Now these might not be the words that you use necessarily when you encounter Jesus, but those are words that we came up with for ways to describe our relationship with Jesus and the ways in which we might grow into our relationship. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to be referencing a book a couple times in this sermon written by Diana Butler Bass entitled Freeing Jesus, Rediscovering Jesus as Friend, Teacher, Savior, Lord, way, and presence. I know I said that really fast, but it's interesting because this book was released after we started our sermon series and after we started planning our sermon series, and it seems like she was on a similar page to what we were when we were thinking about talking about Jesus and looking at Jesus during Lent. What are the different ways in which we encounter Jesus, and how have we grown through each of those encounters. So for Butler Bass, she talks about as a child, she met Jesus as a friend. And as a youth, she met Jesus as a, savior, or as a teacher. As a young adult, she met friend, teacher. As a young adult, she met Jesus as a savior. As she went off to, to seminary, she met Jesus as Lord. And I haven't gotten to the rest of the book yet. But I'll be honest with you. Um, but she also talks about how as she grew later into life, she experienced Jesus as the way and ultimately Jesus as presence. I look forward to finishing the book this week, and we'll see if it shows up next week. Who knows? But these are the things that we're, that we're talking about, how each of us encounters Jesus. And if the 
definitions and the, or the qualities that we've ascribed to Jesus so far don't line up with the things that you've thought about, we'd love to hear from you how you define Jesus, how you've encountered Jesus in your own life, and how those encounters have helped you to grow into the disciple that you are today. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus as our sovereign Lord. That's a mouthful. Sovereign Lord, what does that mean? Sovereign means supreme ruler, especially a monarch. Lord is someone or something having power, authority, or influence. A master or a ruler. So a supreme ruler of rulers is the condensation of sovereign Lord. So maybe it's a little redundant, but that's okay. We get the point. Jesus is the Lord. But what, what does that mean and how does that tie into our Palm Sunday experience? So before we get into that, let's hear the text that sets the stage for our day. I'll invite Don to come forward. This passage brings us into Jerusalem as Jesus arrives for Holy Week. Today's scripture is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God. I appreciate Don uh, being here as our liturgist today. Pastor Walt is in... Colorado attending a wedding for some family friends, and he wishes he could be here, but Don, you're doing a wonderful job substituting. Thank you. <laughs> so the scripture that Don just read to us is a makeshift parade of followers, disciples, and those who had been healed or had heard stories of the miracles that Jesus had done, who heard that he was coming into town and gathered at the gate where he was going to come in. It was a parade that looked much different than the other parade that was taking place on another end of town through one of the many other gates as the, as the Roman leaders were arriving into the city. The parade that was happening at the other gate was one of pomp and circumstance. You can imagine the tambourines and the trumpets and the royal fanfare of receiving these these leaders of the community, dare I say these lords of the community, by Roman expectations and Roman rule in the fact that they were the rulers. They were the ones that you had to follow and, and ascribe to their understanding of the world. 
And it was different. Jesus' parade was one of palm branches and jackets and a colt and people crying out because they saw a different rule, a different Lord coming into the community. They had different hopes for how their life may be transformed by setting their hat to follow Jesus, to allow him to be their ruler, to allow him to be their guide living in the world. These were people who were realizing or claiming for themselves Jesus in their heart. And that is an important thing. Now, I'm not going to say that this parade was perfect because we know where this parade ends. This parade, the same people who were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, on Sunday, on Thursday, were crying, crucify him. But we also recognize that as followers of Jesus, we fall short sometimes as well. We misstumble, we fall. We may not always proclaim Jesus as loudly or as profoundly as we would like to, but we have a God who loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. Jesus as Lord is one that is a relational Jesus, not a... a, the word that's coming to mind at the moment is a dictator, so I'll stick with that. Not one who says, this is the end all and be all and you have to say it exactly this way or you're wrong. We have a Jesus who wants to be in relationship with us. Jesus wants to, to sorry, I lost my notes. Um, oh, sorry, I was reading the wrong part. We have a Jesus who will be our Lord, will be in relationship with us, and invites us to see ourselves and our connection with God and the ways in which we interact with the world differently. The the note that I got sidetracked on is one that says, and if the people didn't cry out, the rocks would cry out with praise to Jesus. I absolutely love that thought because that just means that creation and earth knows the beauty and the gift that is Jesus so that when we make mistakes, when we fall short, we can see Jesus' love and beauty somewhere else. Diana Butler Bass, as I was sharing in her book, Freeing Jesus, talks about that transition for herself when she recognized Jesus as Lord. She talks about how she had embraced Jesus as Savior, which we'll talk about next week, but how the idea of Jesus as Lord was one that it took her a little bit longer to work her way into understanding. And for her, it was a transition from how Jesus takes away our sins to Jesus inviting us to be in relationship with others and in the world, to represent Jesus to others in ways that might be transformational for them as well as for us, to be people who recognize God's love and share that with others. She says, Jesus can't just be your savior. He must also be your Lord. Bass was riveted by this idea. Lord, master of all, a God who cared about justice and peace and the things that happened here on earth. She says that admittedly, the Jesus that she had encountered as a teenager could manage to save people from sin and death. But maybe there was more. 
Maybe Jesus could save the world. I love that. As a teenager, she could manage, or Jesus that she encountered as a teenager could manage to save people from sin and death. But maybe there was more. Maybe Jesus could save the world. That's why he came, isn't it? To save the world, to invite us to have that new relationship. Sometimes the idea of Jesus as Lord, we may brush over because Lord is used so often in our Bible that we might not think about it so much. It's actually used over 700 times in our text, and it was a concept that was common for the people of that day. Lord was anyone who you served, whether it was your boss, whether it was your owner, whether it was, was the person down the street who had more social capital than you did. So this idea of submitting to lordship was something that was common, but naming Jesus as Lord was trying to change the dynamic. It was trying to upset, uh, I'm going to say upset the cart a little bit, to take away the, the context and the ideas that were common then, and in all honesty, still common now, but instead... Jesus' Lord was a way of empowering a form of submission that one could choose in a world of otherwise little choice, a way of life that resulted in finding oneself by giving oneself, so, oneself totally and unreservedly to this crucified Jewish peasant, Kyrios. And Kyrios, just so you know, also means Lord. Um, Lord, Master, Ruler, or God. And this is a word that is used often within the Bible, kyrios, each signifying one who holds dominion over the lives and fates of those under his sway. What does it mean to allow Jesus to be our Lord? When we talk about God in our lives, we talk about following someone, someone that we need to follow, Butler Bass says, we needed to follow Jesus, to go where he called, to give up our lives for him here and now. Jesus bids us to come and serve. It's important for us to recognize that Jesus as Lord is not just about personal confessions. It's important for us to recognize that, yes, we are following Jesus, but it's an invitation to see how Jesus and God are inviting us to envision that kingdom that we've talked about over and over again, where we recognize how God wants to have a different order of things than what we experience through Roman rule, through what we experience through governmental uh, instruction, but one that follows the divine Lord, the Lord of love who wants peace and reconciliation for the world, the God who wants justice to roll down and to embrace the world. As we follow Jesus and we claim Jesus as Lord, we are saying we are actively working to be part of your community that is building this kingdom. We are building a community that is working to share that love and grace with others. Butler Bass says, not only was Jesus Lord of our hearts, he was Lord of the whole earth, active in history, working toward liberation and love, willing to take down empires in doing so. I am so thankful for God who 
isn't just about saving our individual souls. I think that that is important, and we will celebrate that so profoundly next week. But I think it's so profound that we have a God who wants to transform the world, God that wants wants his peace to be the way in which we live, the way in which we encounter others, and the way in which we experience God's kingdom. There's a hymn that's in our hymnal called Crown Him with Many Crowns. And I, I love to read uh, the words of those hymns and to use them as prayers. And uh, Butler Bass pointed out this hymn to me and the significance of the final verse of that, or the fourth verse of that hymn. It says, Crown him the Lord of peace, whose power a scepter sways, from pole to pole the wars, that wars may cease, and all be prayer and praise. His reign shall know no end, and round his pierced feet, fair flowers of glory now extend, their fragrance ever sweet. Jesus, the Lord of peace. Jesus, not just the Lord of heaven, but Jesus, who is the Lord of the entire earth. It's important to remember that as we, we claim Jesus as Lord, for the people in that time, Jesus as Lord was a kind of alternative Caesar. Not only one who gave in, not one who gave in to Satan's taunting offer of power, but the one who embodied divine authority and had arrived on earth to take back the planet for the Father. The priorities of Jesus' kingdom would be exactly opposite of those in the world we knew. Their holy generosity and true peace would replace capitalism and militarism. Ron Snyder, or Sider says, God's word teaches a very hard, disturbing truth. Those who neglect the poor and the oppressed are not, are not, are really not God's people at all no matter how frequently they practice their religious rituals or how orthodox their creeds and confessions. This invitation of accepting Jesus as our Lord is recognizing that we have work to do. We need to be in the work of building the kingdom. Mission work meant to make sure that the king had a kingdom. Every time we go out and serve, every time that we go out and and do work in Jesus' name, we are working to build a kingdom and to make sure that Jesus has a kingdom to serve. Our work here and now is to make sure that we are proclaiming God in a way that invites others to be in relationship with God, to invite others to know that blessing and to work to build the kingdom as well. There's been many writings about what it means for Jesus to be Lord and what it means to be working to build the kingdom. Ada Maria Isis Diaz um, talks in her writing about kingdom, about how she experienced what the kingdom of God was used for. She says that the kingdom of God was used to evoke an alternate order of things over and against the political context of the Roman Empire and its Caesar, the actual kingdom and king of the time. 
kingdom is a metaphor that has continued through time. But Jesus' kingdom is that one of relationship that I talked about, one of family, one of working together for love and for justice, one that celebrates who Jesus is and how we might experience the world in new ways. We pray every week, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. If we are praying for that kingdom, we are also claiming that we want to serve the Lord who is making that kingdom possible. And we want to be active in helping to build that kingdom for God and for the world. Julian of Norwich is a, I want to say, 14th century a deep thinker. And she wrote a lot about our kind Lord, K-I-N-D-E, Lord. Um, and the word kind in medieval English did not mean nice or pleasant. Instead, in the word, or instead, the words kind and kin are the same. To say that Jesus is our kind Lord is not to say that Christ is tender and gentle, although it may be implied, but it is to say that he is kin, our kind. In fact, and not that fact and not emotional disposition is the rock of our salvation. To say our kind Lord is to say our kin Lord. Jesus the Lord is our kin. The kind Lord is kin to me, to you, to all of us, making us one. It's an image of kingdom and kings replacing forever the pretensions and politics of earthly kingdoms with Jesus' calling to form kingdom. Hmm. Butler Bass had an experience of uh, being a missionary in the Netherlands. And she talked about how she had these grandiose visions of what that service would be like, how she would bring people to understand Jesus better. And more often than not, it was knocking on doors and having the door shut in her face saying, may I invite you to church and having no one come, come and join her. But then she was given a task to go clean a kitchen for an elderly gentleman who was struggling to have his, or to maintain his house, but wanting to, to clean things up and get back to a place that he could possibly maintain on his own. So as she came to work every day in that kitchen, working to make it clean and to organize it in such a way that would benefit him, he would sit and read his, his Bible to her. And he didn't speak much English. She didn't speak Norwegian, Dutch, thank you. I was like, what is the word I'm looking for? I should have looked directly at you. I would have known it right then and there. Um, she didn't speak much Dutch, so there wasn't necessarily a lot of direct conversation going on, but there was that moment of the spirit. There was that moment where even though their words did not connect, they were able to connect in a more profound level. She says, in the, Butler Bass says, in the kitchen in the Netherlands may well have been the closest I have ever been to the kingdom Jesus preached. There, the spirit revealed the meaning of kin, of a kingdom with a, kindle, with a kind Lord of simplicity, solidarity, and service. Things I knew and it was that she was thankful for. We talk about 
Jesus being Lord and we want to experience the kingdom, I would say that we have these thin places, these moments where we experience it more profoundly than we would otherwise. For me, my thin place is camp, which is why you hear me talk about camp as much as I do. For her, her thin place was that kitchen in the Netherlands. For us, it may be talking about Jesus as Lord and what it means to invite Jesus into our lives. But those moments where we are changed and transformed and moved to be more faithful, more discerning, and serve God in ways that are profound are those moments where we have those opportunities to know God better. I wonder if for the people who joined the parade that Palm Sunday so long ago, if that was not a thin place for them and they were moved and they felt God and then they got a little scared and then they heard the voices of the world and then they're like, oh, we're going to be in trouble if we say this. And they, they made some mistakes and I'll own up to that. But when all was said and done, when we got past the following week, they were reminded again that they had a Lord who loved them, a Lord who wanted to work with them to build the kingdom filled with love, justice, simplicity, solidarity, and service. My hope and prayer is that as we think about how the people who gathered that Palm Sunday morning recognized Jesus as their Lord, proclaiming that they wanted to follow someone other than the imperial leaders of the time, that they were saying, we want this kingdom of simplicity, solidarity, and service. And I hope that by the time that we leave worship today, that's the same thing that we're saying for ourselves. Amen? Join in the chorus. Give honor to Jesus Christ and bring your offering of praise to him. Rejoice in the coming of the Lord. Lay your treasures at his feet. Let us present our gifts as Jenny shares her gift of music.
not already offered us? What can we do that you have not already done for us? Lord Jesus Christ, in your gifts to us, you have provided us the way to live and serve you. In both your triumph and your suffering, you deserve our praise. Through the gifts we now offer, we express our longing to serve and to follow you wherever you go. Amen. Can you please wait? I want to invite Phyllis Marbuck to come forward. Good morning, everyone. Friday, I received a letter from our district superintendent, the Reverend Melissa Rowe McKinnon, and it's addressed to the congregation of our church and myself as the SPRC chair. Thank you all for your faithful ministry in changing times. On behalf of Bishop Grant Hajia and his cabinet, I share with you that after much prayer and consultation, it is Bishop Grant Hajia's intent to appoint Pastor Rachel Tabatal as the pastor in charge at Santa Clarita United Methodist Church. So I, there's more to the letter, but I hope you'll look at this as a, an appropriate step in her path and her journey. And I'm really excited for her, even though sad for us. <laughs> Pastor Rachel has been a presence of God's loving grace to persons in all walks of life, and she will be missed. At the same time, you can send her to her new ministry, sitting confident that the congregation of Santa Clarita UMC will soon benefit from her wisdom, care, and guidance. In the days ahead, be sure to take time to remember the work of the Spirit you shared. I know Pastor Rachel has been blessed by the community of faith at Westlake Village UMC. And all of you will value these final days as an opportunity to look back and be thankful while looking ahead with hope and anticipation for what God will do next. In the days ahead, I will be working with your staff parish relations committee as the bishop and cabinet discern for the next associate pastoral appointment at Westlake Village UMC. On behalf of our bishop, I thank you for your faithfulness and ask you to hold Pastor Rachel and her family in your prayers during this time of transition. And it's signed, uh, Blessings, Melissa Rowe McKinnon. So maybe we'll take a moment for a prayer okay. and, and then we'll go on with our final hymn. Are you asking me to pray or, is, or you have something? You do have, have something a, there. I have a prayer. Excellent, good, good. Um, I just wanna say that I know that this is probably a shock for many of you. Uh, the process of ordination and appointment, or the process of ordination is one where you say, I'm willing to go where you send me, Bishop. And so we never know how long we have the opportunity to serve. At one point, I thought I would be here at least until Walt retired, and that's not where, where the vision is right now. The vision is for me to go back to the church where I was commissioned into to help them through um, a situation that they're going through and to to walk with them on this journey. I have been blessed to serve all of you and to walk with you on your faith journey, and I appreciate the ways in which you have helped me prepare for this next endeavor. Um, we have three months to process this information, to say our goodbyes, to plan ahead, and 
if what I think it, or who I think is going to come as the person who follows me, you guys will be deeply blessed. So I will leave that right in there because I can't say anymore. Um, but I am excited for you, and I want you to know that I fully affirm and believe that Conejo Connect is the step of the future for our congregation. And whoever comes in to replace me will help that grow into the ministry that it's supposed to be for our congregation and for the community. Thank you. If you'll bow your head for a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for Pastor Rachel's presence with us these past almost five years. As we move through the next few months of preparation and transition, bless us with your guiding spirit. Amen. Amen. Probably a bit sad for many of you, but um, but I look forward to the future for both of our congregations, this congregation here and the Santa Clarita congregation, as we grow into what God is calling to us to next. I want you to remember that Jesus is our Lord. Today he entered Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna and palm branches waving. As the week continues, we hear stories of Jesus overturning tables sitting down with his disciples for one last meal, going to the garden to pray, and ending up betrayed. And that all is before he even gets to the weekend. This is a big week in the life of our faith. Let us journey together as we anticipate next Sunday and how our lives will forever be changed. If you have any interest in helping us out with the Easter egg hunt next week, um, and you want to stuff some eggs for us, see me after worship. I know you have other things that you want to talk to me about, but uh, if you could help out with that, we'd appreciate it. If you are coming next week, invite your family and friends. We are going to have lots of Easter eggs, so we'd love to have the children to gather them. Um, and we're going to have a brass ensemble. The choir is going to be in 
in their beauty and splendor of saying, I need to stop turning that way. Um, and we're going to have the beautiful lilies on the altar. It's going to be a great Sunday. The Sunday following that is going to be a pre-recorded service from the annual conference. So we'll invite you to worship at home that day. Receive these words of grace. Rooted in love, nurtured in love, go forth in love. Confident that the God who created you in love, the Christ who meets you with love, and the Holy Spirit who inspires you to love goes with you each and every day on the journey. Amen. Amen. Oh, for the Lord.